1: G'day everybody, welcome into the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. We are stoked to have you back for another week, and we're stoked to be back for another week uh, for the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner because, boy oh boy, do we have a show for you. We are going to go big today uh, on the Crusaders, They're playing Bristol coming up uh, just after 8 a.m. on Saturday morning. So we are looking forward to that. Um, Well, it's not too far away at all, is it? Matt Todd out of the United Kingdom talking about their tour so far. They're in Bristol. Um, How did it go against Munster? Well, obviously they lost, but what did they find out? We're going to talk to Garth Galloway because we've got so much cricket happening. Um, Wow, wow, wow. How good was that test set? win against South Africa at the Bay Oval. The likes of Matt Henry, Kyle Jamieson playing a massive part. Tom Latham, uh, yeah, we'd just love to see Tommy Latham score a couple more runs, wouldn't we? But they are applying their trade and going good. So we'll talk to Garth Galloway, who was part of that massive SCNZ commentary roster. And we're going to catch up with Ash Head, the groundsman at Hagley, to stay with cricket because well, coming up, of course, the Australians are here and that test series is going to be special. What sort of wicket could we expect after the weather that we've been having here around the Canterbury region. Enterprise recruitment, we appreciate their support. We could not do it without them. Uh, They are the recruitment company. You should be looking for help for whatever you need. Um, Of course, Trident Homes, they look after all our local sports as well, so we appreciate their support. Trident Homes are massive supporters of community sport around the region. We've got a big show. I want to talk about Super Rugby as well. So without any further ado, here is Matt Todd after this sport is our religion and here is smithy's sermon smithy's sermon and because i might not get too many of these more of these i'm going to go long today about super rugby so if you're a super rugby fan listen because while we wait for more international cricket there's a neat little window here for super rugby pre-season to incite a little bit of excitement about our favourite Southern Hemisphere franchise rugby competition as our Kiwi teams look to continue their pre-season blowout. The Crusaders had an epic night out in court last weekend, taking on Munster in a game where they impressed the locals. They take on Bristol tomorrow morning. We're going to chat to Matt Todd in just a second about that. The Blues and the Chiefs are in Japan and have played a game each already. They continue on this weekend against Yokohama and Kubota. Well, the Canes and the Landers step out tomorrow against one and another. Moana Pacifica had a run last weekend in Queenstown against the Highlanders. And yes, that is the same Moana Pacifica that we saw last year, not to be confused with the pitched and seriously pushed Rebels Pacifica. Huh? What? Who? Let me read for you word for word some seriously good journalism by Christy Doran of The Raw, which I found first thing this morning. You can go and find this whole article. It's interesting. Quote, unquote. The Melbourne Rebels have accused Rugby Australia of seeking to destroy the current Super Rugby Pacific structure by deliberately underfunding its member unions and lambasted the National Union for their unrestricted World Cup budget blowout. A leaked document written by the Melbourne Rebels Board and Rugby Victoria also reveals that seven months before the Rebels went into voluntary administration last week, or two weeks ago, Rugby Australia demanded the Melbourne-based side be known as the Rebels Pacifica. The Raw understands that Rugby Australia Chief Executive Phil War was the brainchild of the Melbourne-based franchises joining, joining forces with Moana Pacifica, who are owned by New Zealand Rugby, you think that'd be on board. And propped up by World Rugby, but have struggled on and off the field since entering the competition in 2021. At the same time, a club based on the United States West Coast, or Hawaii... And possibly representation from Japan was being considered as a way to maintain the 12-team competition. It was also thought World Rugby would look favorably on a side being included from the United States, given the country will host the Men's and rugby, Women's Rugby World Cups in 31 and 33. Given the Rebels' strong Polynesian influence, the idea was considered to have some merit. Wow. This turn of events would be mildly shocking if we weren't talking about the same competition which has had an identity crisis after identity crisis after identity crisis and has seemingly drifted directionless through the rugby ecosystem for decades now. The article from Christy Durin in The Raw went on to explain Rugby Australia's dire financial situation detailing tax bills unpaid and even reference missing infamous Hamish McLennan's broadcast experience from the board because get this. Quote, it's understood Rugby Australia is privately concerned about their looming broadcast negotiations. There are fears that if Rugby Australia doesn't receive a significantly improved offer on the 29 million it currently receives from Nine Entertainment, the game will continue to go backward at a rate of knots, unquote. Well that's a cheery Friday reading about our closest business partner in the sport of rugby, isn't it? So let me try and vaguely connect the dots here. The Crusaders are in Ireland and the UK. Blues and Chiefs, Japan. None of us are in Australia. The Rebels in Moana Pacifica are are survivors of a merger deemed as their only path of survival by power brokers. And oh, the All Blacks are taking a test to the west coast of America this year, where the next former Super Rugby team looks likely to be. I can only assume those at the pointy end of NZR will be meeting with Sky about their next broadcast deal here in New Zealand for 2026 and beyond, probably right now at this moment. And I know that whatever those discussions amount to will go a long way to deciding what Super Rugby looks like, or more literally, actually is. So if Gregor Paul was on the money about the gloomy financial situation of NZR themselves, at the context of the global game and player availability, that then means this is probably the most important broadcast deal we have ever seen, and naturally, we are guaranteed another new look version of Super Rugby so many of you I speak to say we need to just give up on this facade of trying to connect the franchise rugby dots in this part of the world and invest in NPC let's supercharge our own domestic comp is what I hear you say the reality is that's just not financially possible we need more than ever the other markets like the United States the Japans the Argentinas South Africans Australias for enough eyeballs to actually fund the game I guess I lay this all out this morning and want to have a conversation about the latest shocking not shocking development about the Rebels in Moana Pacifica because I actually love Super Rugby and I literally have done my whole life because I love my team and I'm proud to be a Crusaders fan. I have a deep affection and affinity for my hometown team and I am a great consumer of this product as are many of you. So I can't help but get a bit sad or maybe disillusioned about the context of this competition as the goalposts and surroundings are constantly changing literally every other year. It's become impossible to have a conversation about Super Rugby Pacific's future without getting existential about the sport of rugby's existence in general, I think. I know that, and I don't really think that's what I'm trying to do on a fun Friday morning. So maybe this weekend, I'll just try and watch the Crusaders in Bristol, Chiefs and Blues in Japan, and try my best to wonder why they're just not across the ditch. He's always very, very good with his time for us at SCNZ. Uh, You know him as a player nowadays. He's a coach with the Crusaders and Canterbury's assistant coach is Matt Todd, who uh, we're checking in here. He's on the road all the way up there in the Northern Hemisphere in the United Kingdom after some time in Ireland with the Crusaders on their pre-season jaunt. G'day, Matt. How's it all going up in the water uh, I can only imagine it's the pretty chilly north.
2: Yeah, it is a little bit chilly, but it's been awesome. Um, everywhere we've gone, the, the fans and the, and the people have been awesome. Been really well looked after, in all the places we stayed, and the teams had a great time. You know, some good time together, and um, you know, it was an awesome occasion against uh, Munster in, in front of that crowd. And you know, I'm sure tomorrow night will be another great occasion in Bristol.
1: So you're there in Bristol, uh, to take on the Bristol Bears, you're right. We'll start with Munster and we'll kind of work our way through. So we caught up with you uh, before you took off a couple of weeks ago and you said that the group was fizzing. Um, Quinton Strangers are obviously doing a hell of a job as a tour captain and and your group looks like they're really together from what we've seen on social media. On the floor, how's it been
2: for the players? Do you think that they've um, absolutely loved it and embraced it to this point? Yeah, I think they've really enjoyed it. The Munster, you know, game, awesome occasion, the sta- uh, the stadium we played in the the Munster fans. Um, you know, for a lot of those young guys, you know, they've never played in anything remotely like that. So the atmosphere was awesome. The Munster fans, they're loud, they're into it. Um and, and you know, from a footy perspective it was good for us. We learnt some good lessons around the contact area particularly. You know, our first hit out you're never you're always a little bit rusty there and that and we certainly got some good lessons there that will hopefully set us up nicely for the season and, and this week as well. Who, um,
1: what were you guys surprised at all by the, the style of play? I mean, you obviously do as much recon as you can. It's not wasn't the full-strength Munster side naturally. So just falling short 29, 21-19, I thought was a really, really impressive effort. You can't really complain. It probably wasn't necessarily about the result, although you, you, may, you want to win, obviously. Was the game style kind of as you did expect?
2: Yeah, I think it was, as we expected but it's I guess it's one thing you can talk about it and try to prepare for it all week but until you you get on the pitch it it feels a bit different Um, that was probably a lesson for us particularly around those contact areas just you know what the sharpness you need the intent you need we're just probably a little bit off you know being our first hit out you you expect that you're not going to be the absolute best in those collision areas those breakdown areas sort of those post tackle areas but months have taught us a bit of a lesson there and the urgency required and um, you know we took some good lessons from that and you know got a good understanding of, of the importance of that, how that sets up the rest of your game and I think we grew into it the second half were a lot better but you know also our discipline on the back is, you know, not winning some of those collision areas hurt us a little bit in the first half. So in terms of a first hit out I think it it was great. It, the intensity is what exactly what we wanted in it. Um, you know, should set us up into this week's. Game.
1: Were there any tangible differences in the way that it was officiated
2: that you could tell from what we get down here? Uh, no, nah, not really. I think, um, you know, the ref didn't overplay his hand too much. But no, nah, there was certainly it was nothing glaringly obvious around around what he what he called or anything. There was certainly no complaints from our end around that okay well uh, in in the
1: the pack uh, obviously George Bell is a guy we're looking at this year who, who could have a, a massive year
2: uh, what do you make of his
1: first outing I know there were a lot of people that were impressed
2: yeah he had some really nice moments you know he's full of potential great athlete you know works hard on on his game and, and he's just growing his core skills as, um you know as any young player is There's sort of areas they've got to be a bit more consistent in and, and get rid of potentially some some sloppy Habits and other areas, but you know he's got plenty of upside, and um, and he works hard He wants to get better. He puts the time in to get better. So one with a very bright future, that's for sure.
1: And there's definitely a few that go in that uh, that bracket. Jamie Hanna, um, obviously as well. A big game. Uh, we, we've spoken a lot in the past to you, Matt, uh, about. Um, some of these young forwards and the the kind of pack that you've got to work with but what about a guy like Dale McLeod who had a career season last year and just seems like he is just going strength to strength and every time he plays footy it looks like he's got more confidence what have you observed since you've been back around the group uh, after your time away?
2: Yeah it was, it was great to see Dale back out there again performing well and I think he's really grown in the leadership role this year as well, He's obviously had a taste of the All Blacks last year and had an outstanding season on the field and I think off the field and in those sort of leadership roles he's really grown this year he, he understands he's a real leader in this team now and, and what, that, what comes of that um, but you know first and foremost to be a leader you've got to perform on the park and he certainly did that last weekend and Looking forward to seeing a lot more of them this season, that's for sure.
1: There was obviously a few guys that were playing their first game for the Crusaders as well. Look at a guy like Levi O'Moar, who's who's got a massive year ahead for him for what he wants to be able to achieve. Uh, playing your, your first game for the Crusaders in Cork against Munster, would have been a pretty surreal experience for a few of these blokes, pulling on the, the red and black for the first time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, It's always special when you pull, I guess, the Crusaders jersey on for the first time on any occasion, but to do it... Um, you know, in front of 41,000 to fans in a stadium like that, um, you know, makes it that much more special. So it was an awesome occasion for, for some guys doing it for the first time. And also, there was, a, there was a number of guys coming back to some sort of long term injury. So it was great to see them get back in a Crusaders jersey and, and come through unscathed as well.
1: Yeah, well, I guess on that, though, um, there's the, the sad news around Lee Halfpenny. I mean, this is. I can't think of a worse set of luck for a bloke Matt, like he comes to Canterbury we go back over up north and he, he does his pick in Ireland, like what what terrible luck is that, how have the boys got around him, how is it Lee himself, he's obviously been around the block so he kind of understands it's part of it but I man, that was terrible to
2: see that pictorial injury Yeah you've, you've got to feel for Lee's. he's been a champion bloke since he's been in the group and just his knowledge, he shares is, is, is massive. So, for him to pick up that injury is unfortunate. Um, you know, like you say, he's been around. He understands it's part of the game. He was in for surgery the other night. So, glad we kind of got that process moving fast. And you know, he's got a positive, um, I guess, mindset around the time frame of his return. And so, hopefully, you know, we'll certainly get him back for that back end of the the campaign. And he knows he can still contribute plenty even when he's not able to get on the pitch just of his knowledge, really sharing with the young guys around the kicking and around some backfield stuff, his defensive movement. Um, you know, so he's still going to play a key role even. You no, know, he's not going to be on the pitch for the next few uh, wee bit anyway.
1: Okay, and the first thing I wondered was, is, is he going to come back with the team? I mean, he's obviously all the way up there, but does he
2: just carry on as per and he comes back as he would be? He won't come back when we come back. Um, Head surgery, I think, Wednesday night over here, and then I think he needs to wait a couple of weeks for the kind of wound to heal, and then he'll come back over. So, but, um, yeah, he's definitely coming back, just in a, a slightly delayed from when the team
1: does. Okay, makes sense, mate. Uh, looking towards Bristol, which, and kind of key point here, if you want to work out how to watch this game, we're going to go sign up, but it's pretty cheap. Six New Zealand dollars, live-streamed on Bears TV. So uh, this is tomorrow morning, obviously, NZT, so you can go to the Crusaders social media and get the link for that. Um, a couple of guys get rotated in, which is awesome to see. Willie Hines is going to captain, um, which is bloody cool to see. He'll best be thriving. I can imagine he'd be a pretty good tourist for for some of these young guys to look at. Ryan Crotty comes in and starts. We've got uh, Rivers-Ray as well. Um, Jamie Hanna, Quinton Strange in the second row. So what is Bristol going to probably bring that's a little bit different from Munster as far as you can tell?
2: I think they'll play a, a bit more than Munster. Munster obviously good at what they did. Kicked well. Um, set piece was good. Defended really well. Whereas Bristol, they've shown that don't mind throwing the ball around. Got a real attacking mindset. Um, some players that will really challenge us. So that'll be a little bit different and probably good for us to set us up to what we're, you know, going to come back into when we get back to New Zealand. So that'll be slightly different. And, you know, like you say, a few guys coming in, a few guys getting their first opportunity of the tour, a few guys starting their first game of the tour. So um, that's what the tour was about, giving everyone an opportunity to put their hand up in this pre-season and experience a different brand of rugby, different style of rugby up here. So... Um, yeah, it's exciting to see how people take those chances this weekend and um, if we you know how we sort of take those lessons from the months to game into this game
1: just anecdotally Matt have there been lots of people kind of like not shocked but uh, I don't know we're speaking in reverence around the crusaders like I like to think that it's a one of the world's most Successful sporting teams, if not the so, do, do people know you up there? Are you kind of getting oh wow, you're here? Um, like that's bloody cool. Either come and watch, or you know, there's a lot of respect
2: for the team, the club. Yeah, look, I don't know about in the wider public, but certainly the people that we've kind of interacted with have all been very welcoming and very excited to have us up there, and um, you know, have gone out of their way to sort of make us feel welcome and make it as easy as they can for us. So. I think certainly within kind of the areas that we've been, mm. um, the people have been awesome and, and you know, it's, it's been great to see and, you know, hopefully we've, you know, been respectful and shown the, the respect that they deserve as well for how brilliant they've been towards us. But, um, you know, we've certainly had good turnouts and that the crowd numbers at the games have been good. So, you know, I think for many facets as to it, it's been very um, m- enjoyable and very successful.
1: Because it makes you think, doesn't it, about how global this sort of franchise rugby could be and there will probably be another version of Super Rugby in the the kind of coming years. Uh, And then the club club sort of tournament concept, which is something that I know the Crusaders and Colin and everybody around the team has been very interested in. Can you see it working? Is there like an appetite
2: for it now you're up there? Yeah, I think absolutely. There's been a few conversations, no doubt. Um, Since we've been up here and there's certainly... Been excitement around that, and and even doing this on a more regular basis. I think I think uh, um, you know it's like anything you know, once someone does it, they see the possibilities and how it can work and, and how it can be effective. So you know, I certainly wouldn't be surprised in the in the coming years to see more and more teams coming up here um, pre season or, or however you're working into the rugby schedule. That's that is the challenges with it being so busy. But um, yeah, I certainly think there'll be more and more. Uh, this cross-competition fixtures and uh, games, that's for sure. Yeah, and I know the players absolutely crave it as well. So,
1: yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. So, good luck, um, Matt. Go enjoy your, your game against Bristol, and we'll check in, no doubt, when you're back here in Christchurch. All the best. Hopefully everyone gets through safe and sound.
2: Thanks very much. Appreciate your time.
1: Very lucky here on ECNZ as everybody has been to have uh, heard some magnificent cricket commentary and moments through the last week and a bit. The uh, messages of support and plaudits coming into our wonderful commentary team are overwhelming and I'm sure very humbling for them. And what we've done, because we can't keep... We can't get enough of them and they can't get away from us as we've tracked Garth Galloway down uh, who is always happy to help and uh, it's a nice good chance here for us to catch up with Garth and pretty much just look back on that first test against South Africa maybe project forward a wee bit as well as we ambled towards a test against Australia at Hagley Oval which will be the highlight of our summer here in Christchurch. Garth, uh, morning to you, so nice to speak. How did you take in the action from the Bay Oval? It just sounded like you guys were having the most fun
0: hello <laughs> yeah we were having fun um you know i think it's it's always uh it, you, you never go out to um you know to 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 make things fun you the, the key is that you want to uh the game comes first if that makes sense so the the key is to always broadcast from my point of view as ball by ball uh what's happening so our listeners know but um you know in the most unlikely moments at times stories pop up and, uh, you know, when you've got raconteurs like Coney uh, and Ian Smith and John Bracewell, uh, you know, you have a lot of fun. And, and then also there are these quiet moments, as there should be in any commentary, where the game might be a bit uh, sleepy. And, you know, there's just not a lot to talk about. And, and I really enjoy those moments as well. Um, but you're right, the feedback has been incredible you know we used to get I'm used to getting a bit of you know a bit of, a bit of um, hate mail and things, Louis so that, that was that was really a pleasant surprise and I exaggerate
1: <laughs> no, not hate mail but I know look people are New Zealanders um, we aren't, they aren't shy to share their opinion if they're not a fan of something so it's, it is nice for it to put the shoe to be on the other foot and I've seen some of the numbers that we got back Garth for the streams and stuff via the S E N Z app and I, I look straight away you can tell there was a thirst it Demand for it and the amount of people that have been saying they've been syncing it up to the the TV. Anyway, it was yeah, um, yeah. it was it was really cool to hear and and I actually thought one of the better stories was your trip from uh, Queenstown to Christchurch in a helicopter. Out of all of them, I thought that
0: was oh, probably the look, best. Look, could I couldn't really get Smithy and Coney interested in that one, so I I kind of cut it off a bit. But um, <laughs> but, but look, I you know you, you never know how people are going to react, and I do think you know again yeah, it was obviously all really looking forward to getting together in Hamilton. The other thing is that with the commentary group um, and this may surprise you, there there are no egos in the commentary box in my view. Uh, You know, we go and have a beer at night together. Um, Everyone's, it's a real team and it's fun and that makes a, a huge amount of difference, you know, and uh, we never, ever. Uh, I think you'll find take performance for, for granted. Um, you know, we'll, we'll just turn up and do our very best in the next game in Hamilton, uh, and and again, look to have fun, but always put cricket first.
1: On the actual field, um, we had like a handful of really, really good performances. Um, none, I don't think, from the South Africans, but that's fine. We'll focus on the the Black Caps first and foremost. Obviously, a historic. Uh, 30th century for Kane Williamson that gets backed up into a 31st. I know that interests you. Ruch and Ravindra's 240-odd. Uh, Kyle Jameson back and looks like he's bowling within himself, to be fair, but managed to pick up plenty. And Mitchell Santon is kind of, re-emergent of a, re-emergence of a genuine spin threat who can bat and obviously field extremely well. Uh, there was lots to take in. What were the headlines for you when you kind of let it all wash over you and you've had a, a couple yeah. of days to digest now?
0: Um, a, good, a really good question, Louie. I mean, I think obviously Ravindra's 240 was a magnificent innings. Um, South Africa will rue the fact that they dropped Williamson and Revenger, uh in the first innings both before they'd reached 50. Uh, and those, you know, when you look at Williamson got 118 and Ravindra got 240, uh, you're talking about a severe punishment for those drop catches um, so Ravindra uh, yes uh, an outstanding performance uh, Williamson 118 and uh, and then 109 the 50s you ended the score two centuries uh, in a match I mean just a remarkable achievement from Williamson you know I, th- I think you have to balance that slightly uh, without being you know um, negative that this is a very ordinary South African side. And uh, when we look at the players who have gone before and done that achievement, you know, I, th- I think we have to see this one in perspective. And Williamson's uh, considerable favour, though, is the fact that he was just in, in that second innings when New Zealand were trying to accelerate. And throughout this game, when, when batsmen tried to advance the game, uh we found that generally they got out and got dismissed. It was a hard pitch to score quickly on. Um Williamson was just in a class of his own in that second innings. Uh it was quite incredible. He scored a hundred in a session. Uh and, you know, it was the most remarkable batting and no one else, uh, Ravindra included, I think, batted with that absolute class. it was it was extraordinary. And that's not to, to, to put down Ravindra's innings at all. I'm just talking about the timing and the way that, that Kane Williamson batted in that second innings. If you then look at quickly the the people the people who have done the double century uh, two, two, two centuries rather and again, you, you know I, I, I just go no further than look at Peter Fulton's achievement against um, England a few years ago. He, he scored 136 and 110 uh, at Eden Park, and you know in a career where he averaged 25, which is a, a pretty modest return uh, to score 136 and 110 against England, and that attack uh, included James Anderson, Stuart Broad is Steve Finn and Monty Penisa. Uh, You know, that is a very good England attack, any attack with Anderson and Broad is. And, and so if we then just compare that and look at uh, Olethea, who's taken 59 test wickets for South Africa, uh, Patterson had taken three, and uh, Moriki, Deschwat, and... Uh, and Brandt had never played in the test. So 62 wickets and 59 of them were all of his. So that, that's just the perspective that I that I put on it. But I think Williamson is, is truly remarkable. I agree with you on Jamison. Uh, I think he did bowl within himself. I think we saw enough uh, of him to think he could be useful against Australia. I think he needs to get his pace up a bit. He's bowling about 128 to 130. Uh, you know, for me, Jameson is a much, much better bowler when he's in the late 130s and early 140s. and that, that, That's an obvious thing to say, but I think he's lacking pace. And, and and like you, I think he bowled within himself. And Santner is the other person you've touched on, three for 43 uh, and then three for 59. Uh, for me, uh, he didn't really answer uh, the questions that I want him to answer in the South African second innings on the fourth day. Uh, he took the last three wickets to fall, so he so he didn't pick up uh, any of the top order, uh, and and you know that is that that, that that's a thing. Um, he picked up Fortane and Moreki, so tail enders in the first innings for South Africa, and, and the, the specialist batsman that that he got was was Hamza. So uh, I I don't I didn't see enough from uh, Santner to convince me that he is uh, again a top class test bowler. Uh, when he, I just feel that he bowls, uh, gets into this defensive mode where he darts the ball into the pads um, all the time, really. And occasionally, when he pitched it up and landed the ball on 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 middle and uh, and turned it out to to the off stump, there were some absolutely beautiful deliveries. And I think to become, you know, if he's going to bowl against Australia and play against them, he has he just cannot go into that defensive mould. And you know, again, it's a thing that many listeners will have heard me talk about for years. Ajaz Patel, in my view, is unquestionably our best test bowler. He just hasn't been given the opportunities, and so again, um, you know, we go to this default mechanism with satna
1: Garth, I, I want to come back to that because I want to get your eye before I let you go on the uh, what, what potentially our eleven would look like against Australia at the Basin and here at Hagley as well and Kyle Jameson probably comes into that equation um, so we'll, we'll circle back to that and I also have a squad I can give you, an Australian squad it's literally has come through to my inbox right now but on Kane Williamson, you've watched so much cricket, you've seen so much class, this stat from Francis Payne was one that leaped out to me. In the last three years Williamson has reached 50 in tests on 11 occasions made 52 not in the World Test Championship final went on to and went on to a century or double on the other 10 occasions. In other words, never dismissed from 50 to 99 in that time. You, better than most, know how improbable that really is because there is so much that can go wrong when you're out there. Why has Kane Williamson mastered this mental clarity that he has the staying power the other batsmen don't seem to have that once he gets going... He can't be moved. What is it about him?
0: That is an incredible statistic, not one that I'd heard. And it it is remarkable. Um, You know, I think Kane is probably the best person to ask that question to. Um, But I think uh, he seems to be able uh, to get, you know, I just sort of think of a river flowing, you know, on a lovely, a babbling brook on a lovely day uh, in summer. And, and just think of that flow and, and nothing really interfering it or stopping it. And I feel uh, when I think of Kane's batting, that's a sort of imagery that pops into my mind, you know, lying beside a stream and just seeing, hearing the noise of the water flowing through. And I think he, he, he very much does bat like that. He, he he clearly is able to get into a rhythm. He's he's able to shut out noise. He spent a lot of time talking to Ravindra in the first innings and giving him help. Um... He is unruffled. So if he plays and misses a ball, for example, you don't see him going down the pitch and practicing the shot four or five times as we do with a lot of players. Uh, I think he has the ability, having played so much cricket, to put just to, just to put all noise, uh, and I'm talking about those sorts of play and misses and things, I include that uh, to one side. And I think he, he just has this extraordinary ability to switch on and focus uh, on each delivery he, he, mixed with that obviously is is a very high level of skill. Um, and we saw it in the second innings at Mount Maunganui where, and then there was nothing wrong with the first innings either, but the second innings I thought was a masterclass. Uh, so he has uh, the, 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 the skill attributes and the temperament. He also has, you know, these shot selections where he is able to uh, keep moving the strike along. So, uh, where some batsmen during a spell may get uh, laid laid down a little bit or bogged down, uh, he he he's got this extraordinary shot that he plays down to third man, and and you know it, I mean with a uh, not with a horizontal with bat but with, but with a vertical bat where he runs the bat the ball off the face of it, and you know he's just able to keep ticking the scoreboard over as well. So he has all of those things, but the greatest thing for me is his mental ability, I think, and his ability to shut out everything focus on each ball as it comes to him and forget about everything else that's going on around him. Uh, he, he is truly remarkable.
1: He's a river or a creek or a stream. I just think that's such a wonderful analogy, Garth. Um, we've got an Australian squad that's just come through to my inbox and it's got the, the regular features. Uh, Cummins, Boland, Kerry, Green, Hazelwood, Head, Kawaja, Labuschagne, Lion, Marsh, Nessa, Renshaw, Smith, Stark. So, um, it's, it's pretty uh, unimportant because obviously they're going to send us their best, and they have. Would you suspect we will play a spinner against Australia?
0: <laughs> that's that's the question, isn't it? Um, and 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 then the next part of it, I suppose, is if and if so, will they be effective? Well, let's be sure of one thing, Louie. Australia will play a spinner against New Zealand. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I think Cummins is their is, is their first pick as captain, and Lyon is their second pick. And Lyon plays in every test that he is available, and, and it doesn't matter what the conditions are. So he will play at the Basin Reserve, and he'll play at the Hecky Oval, and those are grounds that don't traditionally um, assist the, the the um the spin bowlers. In fact, that you know the, the the oval at Hagley uh, as a as a graveyard for spinners, but I, I, you know you'd back line to pick up wickets. Um, I, I find it quite hard to read this New Zealand selection in terms of what what they're going to do. I think there is a possibility they may look to play Satna and, and the reason that I think they might do that is as a defensive option. Um, unfortunately, so he will be able to, con- you know, he may be able to contain Australia uh, with his bowling. Uh, but, but I don't think they, you know, I can't see them putting into a role in those conditions where he is going to float the ball upside off stump and, and bowl to a plan to try and take wickets. I, I would see him as just going back very much like uh, Daniel Pretoria was used over many years as, as quite a defensive option. Uh, and then you've got to look at what what the other options are with the attack. Obviously, uh, Henry will play, Saudi will play, and Jameson will play. And the question, I suppose, if, you, if you're tossing up with Santner, And if you left him out, uh, then you would look to play Phillips and Ravindra and use them as part-time spinners. However, having been critical of Satna's line in this match, uh, I think it's fair to say that he was head and shoulders above Ravindra and Phillips. Um, Ravindra has a long, long way to go to to be a top-class spinner, and I hope that he focuses on his batting, because I think that's a strong suit. Uh, Phillips, the same. Um, he can turn the ball a little bit, but I think we saw at Mount Monganui that he, that he's not really going to be a threat with the ball at the moment. So Satan is the best of them, and it comes down to whether or not you play four quicks or four four medium fast bowlers or fast medium uh, uh, or you or you put him in um, the choice will be, and I'd love to see O'Rourke get a run against South Africa um in Hamilton next week that that would be. A really good opportunity just to explore where he's at, and whether or not New Zealand has another option. Because the thing that worries me about this New Zealand attack, based on what we saw at Mount Maunganui, is a lack of speed. Uh, Jameson 128 to 130, as I say, Henry in the mid 130s, and Saudi below 130. You know that that is not a, that is not an attack that is going to cause, in my view, a, a whole lot of headaches for the uh, Australian batsmen.
1: And that's why this test uh, against. South Africa and Hamilton, there there are so many moving parts which uh, really add to a bigger picture of the summer, Garth. That is some wonderful thoughts there, mate. I really do appreciate you taking some time to chat to us and uh, we look forward to hearing you and the team at Seddon Park there. And then, love, uh, we can't wait to to see how it goes uh, at the Basin Reserve and and Hagley Oval as well. It's kind of bizarre. It's February and it feels like our summer's just starting. But oh well, those are the modern days.
0: (laughs) Nice to talk to you, Lou. Have a great weekend.
1: Right, obviously we're right bang in the middle of our cricket season in February, which is a little bit different. Uh, It almost feels like it's just started in many ways because we've had Test Cricket here now at the Bay Oval, then they head to Hamilton, and then uh, the Australians are here. And the Australians will play some 2020 cricket, then we'll get, obviously, a couple of blockbuster Test matches. One that is sold out already in Wellington, and another which is pretty much sold out or on its way to very nearly being a full house at Hagley Oval down the road here in Christchurch. Uh, Ash Head is the groundsman down at Hagley and I'm sure he's had a a pretty busy summer as you tend to as a cricket groundsman. G'day Ash, how you doing? I'm good thanks, how are you? Yeah, nice. How's your summer been tracking? Has the weather behaved well enough?
3: Uh, Yeah, pretty much. I think we've had probably the best summer that we've had weather-wise for probably the last two or three years at least anyway.
1: Does, what's that done to the cricket around the traps? Uh, I mean, I imagine that the batters have been pretty happy uh, from club cricket all the way through to domestic.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly makes preparing a pitch um, a little bit easier when you're not trying to negotiate rain during the preparation, but it also throw, can throw you know, a bit of a spanner in the work sometimes of things being too dry and, and having to really concentrate hard and, and keep your moisture levels and not just your pitch, but also your outfield as well. All in in line, so nothing's too dry as well. What What's the usual kind
1: of um, when when people think about Christchurch and uh, pitch curation, and especially Hagley Oval? I mean, we seem to think bounce, seam, green. Is that just because of our climate here, or is that because of where Hagley is? Quite literally, like geographically, in the city. What What is that down to?
3: Um, I think you know, it's always yeah. bounce and 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 paste um i think there's a lot to do with the the sort of the weather and the conditions um you know we do get a nice dry heat here so we're having to you know load up the the prep with plenty of moisture in it which you know helps create in the during your prep helps create the bounce um in terms of the green you know green i think for grass for test matches i think it's been based down to like the types of teams that were played here as well. You know, um, you know, in the past subcontinent teams haven't really done too well against pitches, you know, that had a bit of green grass, so um tended to go that way. And I think that happens all around the country as well. Um but I think, you know, a lot of grass and stuff can provide the pace for the ball. Um yeah, I think I don't know, generally you always try and have a bit of bit of greenness in your pitches for a test match, but Obviously not always too much. Well, I think
1: it's fair to say, I mean, past day one and sometimes two, Hagney usually becomes an excellent wicket to bat on. It's it's always because it's got that true bounce. It's great to play square of the wicket. Um, With the Australians touring this summer, it's a little bit different. It genuinely is a blockbuster tour for us. They won't mind the pace and the and the speed. So, would we expect this far out that the wicket to have as much speed and pace in it as usual, or because of the, the drier temperatures, it, it might be a, a little bit more benign?
3: Uh, I don't think it'll be benign. We've we've kept a pretty close eye on on the moisture in the block over the whole summer, um, and you know we'll continue to do the same over the next four weeks leading into the Test match. Um, I did see on online just before Australia's just named their Test team and it's quite stacked with some uh, yes. fast seam bowlers. So that's always, they are expecting sort of seam and bounce conditions. So, I mean, we'll we'll just try and produce a, a, a good quality test match that's, you know, um, even for both sides, really bad ball.
1: Do you suspect, like, uh, something we've spoken about on this show already and we've been talking a lot about is the, the use of spin. And obviously Nathan Lyon's one of the first names on the paper for the Aussies. Um, ha- Hagley hasn't fared too well for spinners during the years. I mean, again, you get that good bounce for a bowler like Nathan Lyon will be able to exploit. Is there any reason for that or is it just, begin because that moisture level sits quite high, it tends to not break up?
3: Yeah, I think it is. Like, I think just in general, New Zealand pitches don't really break up a lot. I think it's just the type of clay that we have. I think uh, I I guess any good spinner will turn the ball, Um, and I thoroughly expect Nathan Lyon to be able to probably turn it on anything. Um, We've had a little bit of success with some turn on some of our wickets this year, but I think it's generally the difference between like test spin Mm -hmm. and. T20 spin. Um, there's a bit of a difference well, I've seen a little bit of a difference in the bowlers this year. Um, they tend to probably spin bowlers bowl a little bit quicker in T20s and one days, and sort of draw it back a little bit in in Test matches, so to allow for a bit more spin.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And Ash, yeah. how, how stoked are you going to be to see this place, this joint, packed out for probably four days and then maybe a fifth?
3: Oh yeah, there's, there's nothing like. That. Being this place packed out even you know for a big game like an Aussie test match. You know, we've had test matches in the past where you get one or two days might be full, and then they sort of teeter off. But if we get the first four days of this game and the weather's played full, uh, yeah, it'll be it'll
1: be amazing to see 100% it will, mate. All right, good luck preparing this wicket, and we, uh, we can't wait to see it.
3: Okay, thanks for that.
1: Boom, there you go. Another Canterbury sports corner thanks to Enterprise recruitment. Done. Done, done, done. Fantastic show. Matt Todd, Garth Galloway, Ash Head talking cricket, talking rugby. Who's my Cantabrian of the week? That's what everyone wants to know. Thanks to Miles Toyota. They are major, major supporters of sport in this part of the world. Miles Toyota here through the Canterbury region. My Cantabrian of the week. It's every Cantabrian competing right now in the Katmandu Coast to Coast Anyone that's doing the coast-to-coast, if you're from Canterbury, you're the Cantabrian of the Week. If you're not from Canterbury, you're still the Cantabrian of the Week. How about that? Wonderful show. Thanks to Enterprise Recruitment. Thank you for listening. Stay with SCNZ throughout the day. That is the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner done for the 10th of February.